When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Welcome to Out to Lunch, the podcast which does exactly what its title says. I get a truly fascinating person, I get a booking at a really great restaurant, I order loads and loads of food, I top up their glass if they're that kind of person, and I ask them all the sort of prying questions in the nicest possible way. This time, it's the brilliant singer-songwriter Leanne Le Havis. And I got a call shortly before the show yeah. from my, my manager at the time saying... I don't mean to alarm you. Stevie Wonder's coming to the show. <laughs> Leanne Le Havis had just one dietary requirement. It needed to be vegan. I had a long, hard think. And then I realised the solution was the restaurant mayor off Charlotte Street in London of the brilliant chef Monica Galletti. She is one of the judges on MasterChef The Professionals. And as I'm a judge on MasterChef, that means that we are colleagues and therefore I could not review her restaurant. I'm very disappointed about that. But what I did find was that she has a vegetarian stroke vegan tasting menu and she said she could adapt all the dishes to be vegan, which meant that I had the perfect excuse finally to eat at Monica's place. And I also think she'll feed Leanne Le Havis very well too. Leanne, hello. Hi, I'm so sorry I'm late. You made it? Yes, nice to meet you. Have a seat. Thank you. I know how long it can take to get from our corner of South London. Just get to wait. Well, are you in South London as well? I'm just across Brockwell Park from You're here. joking. I'm not joking. I'm in Streatham Hill. I know exactly where you are. What? I mean, we're not going to reveal where exactly where you are, but... Oh, we're kind of neighbours. Pretty much. You're one oh. side of the A205 and I'm the other. <laughs> yeah. Which is the dividing line. Would you like some water? I'd love some, yes. Yes, sparkling. Mm, sparkling, please. Sparkling, brilliant. Yeah. I'll go for sparkling, please, David. David will be serving us. So you will find to your left a vegan tasting menu. Wow. If you're up for it. Yes. They'll do you, I mean, it's basically it's, well, it's sort of six courses. But Choice of, dis- oh, no. It's no, 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 it's the whole thing. But you don't have to do the whole thing. It's up to you. Whatever you do, I'll match you to. I'll do the whole thing. You'll do the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's two tasting menus then. I'll go, I'll go the things with a pulse, if you're, as long as that doesn't offend. no. Could you have some wine as well? It's like a special occasion. Isn't it? Yeah. White or red? White? Or bubbles? There we go. Right, bubbles then. Something sparkly to kick (laughs) off with and and we'll see what happens. How did you meet Stevie Wonder? He came to my first show in Los Angeles. We had pink bubbles. Seven years ago. Very beautiful. Cheers. Cheers. I mean, that's 2012, which is pretty much when everything 
you yeah. came into prominence. Yeah. 2012 re- was when I my... first came across you. I can't believe that you came across me. <laughs> what do you mean? That's so cool. Well, shall I tell you what it was? Okay. So the Observer newspaper. Yes. You performed at King's Place for our TEDx event. It was fantastic. It was just you and guitar. Yeah. And I was, I was emceeing the satellite event in Brighton. Right. Smaller audience, but then yeah. we would stop and take the feed from London. Wow. And you came on. <laughs> it was just you. They're always a bit more intimate when it's just me. And your open string sound. Yeah. So where was this first gig in LA? It was called the Bootleg Theatre. And I got a call shortly before the show Yeah. from my, my manager at the time saying, don't mean to alarm you, Stevie Wonder's coming to the show. <laughs> I was just, and then I told the rest of the band and stuff, and we were all just pacing around the dressing room, just like, oh my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But um, it got to the show and we just... I think we just played really well because we knew Stevie Wonder was there. It could have gone both ways, though, couldn't it? Yeah. Did you stand in the corner and have a long talk to yourself? (laughs) Actually, yeah, because I found out before everyone else and I was alone in the hotel room. So I had a minute (laughs) to just kind of... Did he come back afterwards? He... We did. We spent... I've got a photo. Do you want to see the photo? Oh, yeah. That's me holding Stevie's hand. Oh, that's fantastic. No, I was just crying the whole time he was talking to me. What, just weeping? <laughs> just crying, weeping with yeah. Pleasure. I just didn't know what to say or do. What do you do when you're in the presence of someone like that? Do you say, so what do you think? <laughs> or, uh, no. nice to meet you, or... Nice to meet you. Yeah. I would never ask what they think. They just would offer the information right. if, if you... Had if you worked that out to. before? No, I just never ask people what, what they, they think. think. <laughs> Unless it's, like, my boyfriend or something. Oh, right, OK. That, like, someone's super, super close to me. We have... Well, I have butter. <laughs> the butter. I have the butter. The cow's been milked. I mean, it's and, very And you have an empty bowl. But I think, something, <laughs> I think something will go into it. And you have olive oil. The best olive oil in the world. Absolutely. What is it? From Andalusia. Oh, wow. Spanish. Oh, things on sticks. Yes, which is a cauliflower tempura with lime and yogurt and lemon verbena. This is amazing. Shall we... I think we should. In one? Yeah, one, right. two, three. Cheers. Mm. That shatters. Do you think you've got a different batter? No, I suspect the batter was exactly the same. Okay. One of the wonderful things about cauliflower is it can walk the line for both of us. <laughs> um, so, growing it's up nice in Streatham, yeah. it's always been portrayed in interviews yeah. as slightly complicated, your upbringing. <laughs> your parents, one Jamaican, one Greek. Yes. Which one was which? Dad's Greek, right. Mum's Jamaican, but um, they're both born in London. They're, my right. grandparents are Greek and Jamaican. All right. So, which bit of Greece did your grandparents come um, from? They are from Athens and Corfu. All right. Okay. Yeah. And your mum's family from Jamaica. From Jamaica. That's, that's a proper London mix, isn't it? Yes. Your parents split when you were quite small. Yes. I don't actually remember them together ever. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And then you ended up living with your maternal grandparents? Mm-hmm. From what age were you with them? I'm going to guess around two. So really very small. Yeah. And that, that was home. Yeah. How did the music happen? The movie Sister Act 2 had just come out. Some girls were just singing some of the songs from it. And then a friend of mine sang one of the songs to the popular girl group at school. 
and then she decided she wasn't my friend anymore because they had let them let her into their group because she had sang. so she swung off yes and singing had done it singing did it so you have seen the power of song yes it, de- it divides you from a friend it divided us and I was like I could do that <laughs> I could sing and I could... I, was like, I could do that so I just started to sing on my way home from school and it felt really nice basically I just felt good doing it I was like oh what's this you know and then I felt like it was like not allowed or something like it felt like I was what you had a secret yeah it's like I didn't know if that was okay to do publicly and were you you singing songs for the sister act too yeah I sang sang the same song that she sang I'm not going to ask you to sing it oh well I don't know what it's called other than to sing the main line of it. Do you want to sing the main line yeah, of it? Yeah, it goes, If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere. You know that one? I think I do, yeah. Yeah. It's probably called If You Want to be, be Somebody. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I sang that to myself, felt really good, and then carried on singing in secret for the next seven years. For you, you have a, a fresh pea salad with a pica lily dressing, wow. pickled carrots and truffle. Yes. And for you, Jerry, you have a, a shortbread biscuit with truffle, pea custard, pica lily uh, dressing on top, fresh peas and ham hock. Beautiful. Marvelous. Thank you. I think we should interrogate the secretness. It just felt like I was exposing myself or something. It felt naughty. Do you know what I mean? When you're doing something well, that you just shouldn't be doing. Yeah, but why would, why would it have felt naughty? I mean... I was a bit shy, I suppose, because I was an only child as right. well. Spent a lot of time at home on my own. I kind Any of... imaginary friends we should uh, give credit to? Jemima. Yeah, of course. <laughs> did she like it when you sang? She loved everything I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was just hearing a lot about people having imaginary friends. I was like, I should probably have one of those. <laughs> So I made one up. <laughs> What's the old gag? I've got an imaginary friend. He's a real person. He just doesn't like me. Um, <laughs> it has to be said, given where you grew up, and mm-hmm. there was the possibility, because it opened, I think, at the t- during that time, you could have headed to Croydon. Yeah. And the Brit. I The Brit have. School. Did you think about that? Did you, you must have read about it. I made friends from there who were in my school, and then they went to Brit. So Brit was the performing arts school. There's yeah. Some really big names have come out of that. Loads. But yeah. so did you think about it? Did you at any point go back to your folks and say, what I really want to do? Or had you not started thinking in those terms? Firstly, I didn't really know that I could do that. Everyone was very much about having a proper education, having like kind of an academic qualification of some kind would be... Always better, which is a kind of Im- immigrant culture thing, isn't it? Yeah, get all that stuff, and then you're, you're yeah. you've got stronger footing in this. Yeah, I mean, they would have loved society. if I you was a doctor. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I would have loved <laughs> if I was a doctor. That would, I would, I would be smart. Who and needs help a top people. ten album when you can actually? Hmm. But remove people's spleens. I was just yeah, <laughs> but I just felt I don't know. I just really loved art and painting and singing and. All the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, how did it? How did it happen? How did you get a gig? Mm. Was somebody organising a night and said we need someone? Basically, yeah. Friend of a friend I was like, "Oh, you want to play a gig? Yeah, I can play." You cross in. It was just some random night he was putting on. 
And then I did it, and I was just terrified. And I, I how long was that? How many the songs? The guitar like fell at one point. Probably only had like four or five at the time. That's a set. So when I look back, though, it's just it just seems so early to be doing anything when you only but have you were what seven, four or five songs. Seventeen. Yeah, about eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. I just I know I look at artists today. A lot of people are discovered, aren't they? Like on YouTube or singing somewhere, Instagram or whatever. And they don't have many songs and they're very young. And they're... It's like... Do you worry about them? I do worry about them. Because it's just a crazy thing to do. To have this career. To be a musician for your job. And to be an artist and to express yourself as a job. There's a, a little bit of you sounds like your your parents and grandparents saying, <laughs> "Yeah, is it a proper job? Is of course, it a, they is, didn't is think it was a job proper with job. Prospects. They absolutely did not want me to drop out of college. You you know you talk about people being discovered on YouTube. What's your superhero origin story? How, what, how was I discovered? Yeah, <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> so Josh and Darby are really all over MySpace. Is it still there? Is it's there still a- there. Still the there. domain is definitely still there. So what were you pasting recordings on there? And I did, yeah. So I did some demos with that boyfriend because he had a studio in his bedroom. So I'd I worked in a bar, and I would pay for my recordings with my tips <laughs> to my boyfriend. Hang on a sec. No, he didn't give them to me for free. He charged you? He charged me. Your boyfriend charged you? Yep. How long did he deft him off then? <laughs> Actually, I think I got out quite good because he dumped Oh, me. he gave you mates rates? Actually, it was mates rates. But still, he'd, like, record other people and charge them, like, the same and say it was mates rates. <laughs> but it was not the same. Do you know, I'm almost tempted to just abandon the rest of you and really drill down on this bloke who was yeah, charging you to record you demos. Know, he might listen. No, all right, we won't talk about that. It's unfair. But my whole first album basically is about him and how I got played and then <laughs> how I ultimately came out fine. So the whole of, of Is Your Love Big Enough is about him and... Yeah, there's a song called Forget. Mm. Um, and there's also the song called Age. I remember writing that because I was, I had just been dumped by this guy who was my age. We were 19 at the time. And then I just started to, like, kind of talk to the older guy. Uh, So the song is about me realising that the younger guy was basically wasting my time anyway. And then this older guy was really cool. But it's more than that, because the thing I loved about that song... Mm was what you essentially say is, you start off by saying, but I like younger men. Oh, yeah, but this older guy like, is quite I was cute. having a conversation with myself in my head. Uh, indeed. And, like, and, and, and the I brilliant like an older guy. <laughs> the brilliant bridge is, as long as he does what he's told. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it such a problem if he's old? If it, as, <laughs> as long as, as he, he does, does what he's, he's told. told. <laughs> oh, God. It still makes me giggle now. Oh, that's the thing that strikes me about your songwriting is that it is you working stuff out. Exactly. 
I figured that out though not too long ago. I was like, wait, my songwriting is just me discussing everything. And then once I get it out, I'm like, oh, that was what the issue was. And then it's like it's resolved because I've... And it goes off into the world. Yeah. And that's very much how I am, actually. Like, if I have a problem, I can't not talk about it. Like, if I don't talk about it, I'll go insane and I'll get really confused and I'll be like, what's wrong with me? And then I have to, like, figure what it, figure out what it is. And then when I talk about it with, like, a friend or whatever, I immediately feel... But it does strike me that as all your, you know, your songwriting is about working stuff out. Yeah. There will be a point somewhere in the future where we can track the, you know, the stages of yeah. of Leander Havis's life through her albums. You probably, probably can. I was talking to someone on Saturday, actually, and they were asking me about my new album. They were like, oh, you know, what's it about? When are you releasing that? I don't know yet. Oh, right, OK, not Just yet. This needs to be finished. It's very close, though. All right. But yeah, I was talking about it and stuff. He was like, what's, what's it about? And I was like, I don't know if I really want to say. Like, why don't you just listen? And he was like, you don't have to talk about it. So I thought, I thought to myself, I, I never had to talk about it. Just could listen to the song. So I might not talk about this new one. I'll just play it. Quite hard to do, though, isn't it? Because people like me keep turning up and asking you questions. Well, you can... You know when you're doing, like, art history... Yeah. And you have to, you know, work out what a painting means. You have to learn how to read a painting. Yeah. People should learn to read songs more, maybe. I would say there are... Because I leave lots of clues. Well, you do. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, they're, the, they're not impenetrable. Are, yeah. And then there's the ones that are very obviously what they're about. And there's also something else, and I, you'll probably look at me aghast, which... <laughs> but it's in your lyrics. Yeah. And it's also in your conversation... That you seem quite adept at moving on from relationships if you don't think they're working. Yeah, except uh, my you, recent one where I just stayed. So it's a balance I've found. Like, either I like them too much or they like me too much. Uh, and the imbalance. Yeah. Yeah, there's, like, the relationships where you know it's not nice, but you stay because you feel like you've been sort of devalued and they are safe to you, even though they don't treat you very nicely. And weirdly, those are the ones you're kind of most loyal to. And then the ones where I felt a bit too depended on, maybe. And then you get, um, personally for me, and then I started to feel, like, a bit trapped. So, yeah. We have dishes. Oh, wow. (laughs) So you'll have the courgettes, so yellow and green courgettes. You've got some courgette puree, some um, aquafaba mayo with saffron, and a nori rice cracker. Wow. And for each you've got a Cornish cod with pecan celery, carrots, dry tomato, and olives, and an aioli sauce. She does know what she's doing, doesn't she? <laughs> Have you watched Monica on uh, Absolutely. Ma- I'm Marche such Express. a fan of her. This is great. How do I eat it, though? Well, uh, you probably use a knife and fork and the go for it. F- a knife? Well, a knife, fork, spoon. So I just use your hands. I really don't it. care. Do whatever you like. If you want to see what Leanne's eating, go to her Insta account, which is a, a thing of beauty as it is. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. 
Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. One of the things we haven't talked about from the from the, your childhood and your upbringing is race, ethnicity. Yeah. yeah. For a start, at home, yeah. you were sort of Greek, so European, Jamaican, mm-hmm. which is Afro-Caribbean. Yeah. But also you're in Streatham, mm-hmm. which has its own interesting divisions. Yes. We're not meant to talk about divisions. I'm, I'm, I, so I've lived in Brixton. Who for, says for, we're not well, meant to talk about it? It's one of the, yeah, that's the interesting thing. I think the, the debate on this stuff. I'm always, I'm very, it's a big subject for me. It's a huge subject. Being not fully black or not fully white, it's like people don't let you be exactly 50-50. Right, you're not it's allowed. It's like you're made to, you've got you're to be like, something. oh, but if you're brown, then you're black. And it's like, well, yeah, but I also am 50% not black. <laughs> so, I don't know, I've always struggled with what other people think of my race rather than what I think of my race. I just, I know I'm brown. Right. And I know my granddad is Jamaican and I've been brought up in a completely Jamaican household. And then I still have people judging me, assuming I was brought up by the white side of my family when, just because of how I speak. And that's like, that's in itself very disrespectful. Like, why can't you speak well? if you're black or brought up by black people. Like, that's saying that they're not educated. I almost feel like I need to mitigate the word well and just say, in a particular way. In a particular way. It doesn't have to be one thing. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, But you don't even know my point. No, I absolutely know your point. But also, and that's the thing, you know, I don't think people, sometimes don't think people understand areas like Brixton, Streatham. Yeah. They are, they're complicated in some ways. They are. There's so many different pockets of communities. So people want to say about Brixton, for example, where I've lived for 30 years, um, that it's um, it's, it's a homogeneous neighbourhood where we all live together. Yeah. No, we all live together, but often in groups that intermingle, you know, yeah. mixed together by the fingertips. Yes. And they can still stay very, very distinct. I absolutely agree. But we all rub along. Yeah. Really, really comfortably. Yes. Oh, hello. Well, that's pretty. <gasps> This is, this is a cavatelli pasta. Wait a minute, I've got to just... Yeah, nothing happens <laughs> unless it's fully observed by the electronics. Tomato consomme. <gasps> it's my first ever tomato consomme. That's it. Uh. Basil and clamato olives. Beautiful. We're, we're very lucky people. We are very lucky people. Look at this. Our life's hell and nobody understands. <laughs> Yes, please. Thank you. I do a lot of cooking. Do you? I love cooking. What kind of things? Especially vegan cooking. I make things that are easily veganised. Right. Do you know what I mean? Stuff that's kind of already naturally vegan. What's your go-to dish? I like doing pasta. Mm -hmm. Lots of different types of pastas. I do Have you experimented with making your own pastas? No. It's hard work. It's hard work. The the stuff on the market's good. Yeah. Just buy a huge bag of pasta and you're good. 
Do you use recipe books or do they irritate you? I have recipe books and I have used them. Yeah. And I did do one recipe that was amazing. But a friend of mine came over to the house as I was cooking the thing and, like, it was a blueberry clafouti I was making. This was pre-vegan. Pre-vegan. Well, blueberry clafouti is basically Yorkshire pudding with blueberries in it. Yeah. Kind of. It's a batter pudding with blueberries. I'm not really desserty and I don't really make desserts very well. So what happened to the blueberry clafouti? So my friend came and I was excited about how it was going because I'm not really good with sweet things. Yeah. He, like, checked on it because he's French. So was, I was like, oh, check on my clafouti. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suddenly had this sense of some kind of massive shrug of Gallic disdain. <laughs> no, he was, he was quite excited for oh, was, it. Was he? So oh. we put it, he put it back in the oven, slammed the door, and then it slid to the back and put out the flame of the, <laughs> of the oven. <laughs> so what, the whole batter slopped over the yes. top? Yes. And it was going to set and it was going to be so good. So we rescued some of it and then we had to serve it in shot glasses. Unlike <laughs> with your music, it strikes me that your response to this was not, then I must try again. No. You never attempted the clafouti again. never attempted it. How did you know? <laughs> there, there, there was a sense, the, the way you were describing just, it. That this I, was just, I just haven't actually made a dessert since then, probably. What year was this? About 2011. 2013. <laughs> All right, now I think we need to talk about a very serious issue. You've touched on it. Go on. Cooking programmes. Yay! <laughs> we got there. Was that why you actually agreed to do this podcast? So you thought you could just talk about MasterChef? <laughs> I just wanted to talk about MasterChef. <laughs> and any, any of those shows. Any Great of those. British Menu. All of them. I love them all. So I think it's important <laughs> yeah. that we come up with a league table. Okay. You know... Yeah. Who's number one? Of Pres- all time. Well, you know, all the all the the UK TV shows. Who's the one you said? Well, that- there's a lot of things that you know to know tick this- off, aren't they? They've got yeah, to be yeah. watchable. Yeah. Likable. That's the kind of the same thing. Well, um, not necessarily. I can I can tell you about a couple who are distinctly unlikable. <laughs> <laughs> they have to have good technique. They can't just be putting things from a dish a ramekin into a, into a, yeah I don't really like just that saying stuff. the word ramekin is not good enough is <laughs> <I know>. it <laughs> it's probably got to be Keith Floyd hasn't it I think it has he's the best ever well he was the one who pretty much took food out of the studio yes the, uh, the stir and I loved chat. all the live action you know the ostrich thing I mean he could be an irascible old bastard it has to be said in the best sort of way. Well, that's what I mean. That's, he's unapologetically yeah. himself. So we've got yeah. Keith at number one. Love Keith. Table. Yeah. I, I've got to follow through. I came up with an idea, which was a league table. Yes. And I can't let it go with just... now. I've, Should it, it be Delia? I think for pure utility. Yeah. And you can wonder at her pronunciations of salsa verde. Fail safe as well. They work. Yeah. Her, her recipes work. Yeah. yeah. They absolutely do. Yeah. Mary Berry, though. Such a lovely... Demeanor. I just like her. Oh, I she is. like to be around her. She's very. She probably smells really nice. <laughs> she does. You know? Back in the sixties, she went to work for a magazine my mother was working on. Oh, really? And my mother took her under her wing and yeah. taught her how to put your expenses in and how to work the really? system. Really? And I have inherited oh, the, the the gratitude from Mary. From my mother, for my mother's gone now. When I first met Mary about, I think about 10 years ago, I was on the one show. She said, oh, I loved your mother, so I love you. Oh, 
Uh-huh. All right, that's okay. That's amazing. That's so cool. What was the magazine? Woman's Own. Really? Mm. Wow. Back in the 60s when those magazines really, you know. When people cared about magazines. Yeah, when people cared about magazines. When they actually had good content. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Are you ready to give up your... This is the best thing I've ever had. Hold on. No. (laughs) Leanne's going to take the glaze off the bowl. Just got to do this and then make sure that gets nice and soggy. You did have a period as one of Paloma's backing scenes, didn't you? Paloma Mm -hmm. Face. Mm Mm-hmm. How, how long were you on tour with her for? Mm, I was about 18 months. Quite a while. Mm. It should be said mm-hmm. that Paloma's band has almost been a major terminus for musicians in, in London. Lots of people pass through her. Yes. I've, I've come across <laughs> loads of them. What did you get from being with Paloma? I love Paloma. She's a good friend of mine since, you know, since a long time ago. And... I was always just really in awe of her. She's so ballsy and just confident and fun and silly, but really there's like a seriousness to her as well. It's almost like apprenticeship before you move to the front of it the stage. It really is like that. I felt like that. And I because and I was working with also a girl called Rox before Paloma. That's how I met Paloma. Because Rox supported Paloma and I was in Rox's band. Right. But seeing these girls... Were you like, stolen? No. I was fired you? and then oh. picked up. <laughs> <laughs> you Basically. were fired by Rox and picked up by Paloma. It's, fine. it's a, it's a long story, who- but I just... Uh, there was some stuff happening behind the scenes. Sure. And it wasn't appropriate for Rox's band. Right, OK. Uh, or what she wanted to do. So it's, it's all good. Um... But, yeah, I absolutely felt that it just kind of made me more determined to do my thing. Like, when you see someone else do it their way, you think about what you think about yourself. You think about what you would do and what you want to do. And it just made me more and more compelled to go solo. How do you feel the music industry is now for women? Mm. That's a huge Mm. question. I know, it's very broad. It is. I mean, it's getting better. I remember getting told how I should do my hair, how much skin I'm allowed to show in a video, that I couldn't wear a head wrap for a gig. Who told um, you you could... What the hell you I don't want to name any names, but, but it's, uh, I mean, it's, I've been told these things. Real-life people have told me these things. People think their opinion matters to me. But, yeah, I don't imagine that I would be told that now. No, I think it's partly because of the times moving on, but also because I don't know if they trusted me back then. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't even that long ago. It was, like, my second album. It was a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was 2015 that that was out. It's like they just assumed that I didn't know myself or something. And I was like, you're really trying to tell me that I can't wear a (laughs) V-neck? Just like a 25-year-old woman. There's another course. Wait, is this the aubergine? Yes. So I have lamb, I think Canon. And so you get the Canon, the sweet bread, yeah. basil and trajectory, some black garlic, and the potato with, terrine, with lemon thyme. Yours has got a massive aubergine crisp across the yeah, top. Yeah, it's beautiful. And a sort of millefeuille thing. Very crisp, actually, aubergine crisp. Look at that. So Prince. Yeah. Prince. Had he picked you up on MySpace as well? <laughs> Quite possibly. 
but it, I don't think so. I think it was more a friend recommended my EP to him, he ah. said. That's what he said. And then he phoned you up? Mm-hmm. The thing I thought was the most ridiculous was that my manager came to me and said, okay, I've just been on the phone to Prince's manager. <laughs> I just thought that was insane. I was like, what? I mean, uh, uh, not, to, not to play this manager down, but it must surely have been quite a big thing for him. Absolutely. Your manager to be on the phone to Prince's manager. This is like... Absolutely. There is a league table of these people. <laughs> yeah. I was told that Prince would like to have a phone call with me. Just one Saturday or something, I just got the call. Like, okay, he's going to call you today. Make sure you've got your phone. So then, of course, I went out and forgot my phone. <laughs> Left it on the bed. Went to the pub with my boyfriend. His phone starts going. It's my manager. Your manager's got your boyfriend's number as well. Yeah, because I was because a bit you, like that. In case he mislaid you. Yes. He thought your boyfriend might be able to... That happens to my boyfriends a lot. <laughs> they get called by my manager. Where is Leanne? This Prince is going to call her. And so we gave Prince my boyfriend's number <laughs> at the pub. And then it rang and it was obviously a withheld number. And I went outside to take the call and the, the street was really loud. And I was like, hello? And he was like, it sounds like you're on a busy street. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to walk over here. So I walked in an alleyway and he was like, oh, it sounds like you're in an alleyway now. <laughs> well, it's the, you know, the acoustic reference point. Yes, but he just... <laughs> sounds like it's overcast at 8pm. <laughs> <Yeah. I'm> a... <laughs> yeah. But this is what I want from Prince. I want Prince to have been that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. So um, I said, I'm sorry, I hope you don't mind. I just need to check who this is. And he was like... I think you know who this is. And then it was Prince <laughs> talking on the phone in Captain. And now a word from our sponsor, which in this case is me. I've got a new book out. It's called My Last Supper, One Meal, A Lifetime in the Making, in which I attempt to answer the one question I've been asked most often, what would my last meal on earth be? I go out in search of the ingredients. It does include pig. And I tell the stories behind them. It's available now in hardback, ebook, and audio formats. And I'm also on tour with a live show based on the book. For tickets and info, visit jrayner.co.uk. And now back to Out to Lunch. People are often surprised yeah. because he sang, could sing in quite a high falsetto, mm -hmm. that he actually had quite a mellow, low voice. He did have a low voice. Same with Michael Jackson. He only spoke softly to preserve his voice. People think he had a high voice. He just had a normal voice. Uh, and famously, mm. he came to your house in Leighton? Yes, yeah, so some years passed now be between the first phone call and him coming to Leighton. Because we Did this huge fuck off limo turn up outside your house? Essentially, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Was it a stretch or just a big black 4 by 4 It's a big black car. Right. Yeah, so we'd established our friendship over about two or three years at that point. And I was just talking to him to wish him a happy new year. I emailed him. And then I, and then we, you know, had a phone call, a mysterious phone call out of nowhere, like it usually was. I said that I'd moved into a new house and, you know, it's all really nice and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I should do a concert there. <laughs> How big was the audience? Three people. Maybe seven. Did you live stream it? No, it wasn't allowed to be. It ended up being a press conference 
So he's like, I would like to invite three members of the British music press to this. And then that same night, he played at the Electric Ballroom. Is that the one? In, In Camden. Camden, yeah. yeah. The Electric Ballroom. Was that one of didn't the tell up, anyone. Didn't tell anyone and just... Just thousands of people around the corner. And, like, he gave me as much guest list as I wanted. <laughs> sounds like quite a good night. This sounds like a very sort of dark question, but did his death take you by surprise? Yeah, completely. Completely. I, I was on the tube to go see my great-grandmother, who was very ill at the time. And when I went in the tube, everything was normal. And then I got out the tube and he was gone. I got all these messages on my phone. Have you heard about Prince? Have you heard about Prince? And at first I thought that he was in London or something. And then I quickly realised it wasn't that. And then I called a friend of ours, a mutual friend who was one of his dancers. Mm -hmm. And she was just bawling her eyes out on the phone. She was like, I don't know what happened. It's really insane. I was just with him last week, she's saying. She's like, he was fine. Because people should understand that you, you actually worked on one of his records, didn't you? I did, yeah. Spent a lot of time with him. Yeah, it was in 2014 we did that recording. And he liked to work at night and stuff. So we just, you know, pottering around Paisley Park. And then at night we would record all the bits and stuff. And then, yeah, I'd just hang out. It was a very beautiful surreal time but yeah I recently was talking to that same friend about mm. that album actually if you listen it's like she's kind of superstitious maybe about it maybe she felt that he was so before into the future right okay his, his yeah his own death but I don't know have you written about it that well, was a, a shake of the head I actually kind of have. Ah, but you're... you're this wrote is a song, but it, it's not been finished. I don't know how... I want it to be the most appropriate thing if I do put something like that into the it's world. Big. It's serious. Yeah. It's proper. Yeah, because I've written songs about loss before, but it's a very different situation with him because he's he wasn't just my friend that only I knew he no, was sure. the world's one of the world's greatest gifts musically and just as a as a personality as well oh wow oh come on <laughs> look at that that's not vegan <laughs> Vegan-Sponge-Chocolates-and-Coconuts-Come-on-Ganache-Raspberry-and-L&P-So-L&P-Is-A-Drink-From-New-Zealand-Which-Is-L&P-L&P-L&P-L&P-L&P-L&P-
I find the phrase self-styled yeah. always slightly odd because it could also be translated as I put some of my clothes on. But you have always pretty much mm. worked out your own look, haven't you? Well, pretty much. I've worked with a stylist, though, who helped me to realise my my kind of femininity, I guess, because I had a... I had one of those ones. It was a disaster. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just have really big thighs and nothing fits. And every every stylist always <laughs> underestimates my size. They go, well, you didn't look like that. They go, well, you know, I've been living inside this body for years. But that's, but that's a thing too. It's hard. Like if you get to a, a photo shoot and they've got a rack of clothes that they think are going to be all right for you, just based on what they've seen you in before, and it's like all doesn't fit, and it's kind of you feel self conscious, you know. Sure. And it's. So yeah, she she helped me. She's a good friend of mine. Helped me to kind of understand shape and color and texture, and then I took that and kind of ran with it. And now I, it's like a mood rather than anything. It's like what do I, how do I feel today? What do I want to portray? And what? usually I go with something that makes me smile. Like what can I put on that just makes me smile? I think we have one more dish about to arrive. The last the last stage of our tasting pineapple menu. and tarragon. Shall I read the thing? Yours, yes, do. Pineapple and tarragon, consomme, mango fruit roll, avocado, fresh mango. Oh well, there's a little pipette dropping beautiful green beads of oil or sauce or... I'm not even going to guess. Oh, that is gorgeous. Yeah, tarragon. David, you've done that before, haven't you? <laughs> this is going to be interesting with the avocado as well. Well, avocado can, you know, it's the bicurious vegetable fruit of the food world, isn't it? It, it walks all the lines. Bicurious. <laughs> mm. Doesn't know whether it's a fruit or a vegetable, whether it's a main course of dessert or breakfast. Mm. It's trying everything on for science. Oh. It's a really good vegan hack using avocado for things. Have you had a conversation <laughs> with Barack Obama? Yes, I have. <laughs> How did that happen? Because you, uh, so for me, no, like, why have I even done that? He, so crazy. He, he said you were on his playlist. I was on his playlist. Yeah, that was yeah in 2015 or something. It was published. You know, the all about, his uh, stuff that he likes at the moment. I just love the idea that this <laughs> list appears and all these artists performers going, <laughs> yeah, running their finger down. Okay, am I? Am I? Yeah, I didn't even know though. I was like, someone told me. I was like, "What?" And then a year later, um, I was invited to dinner with him by the American ambassador, who was living in London at the time. And it was because I had performed at the ambassador's house for International Women's Day. They invited me to perform, and then a few months later, they were like, "We would love you to join us for this dinner we're having, the special dinner with the president." and a few other invited guests that were also mega crazy famous people. And uh, I got there and someone escorted me in and she was, as I was walking in, she was like, okay, so you'll be seated next to Barack Obama. What's your opening conversational gambit? Or was he brilliant at that he himself? He was brilliant. You can imagine. He's so charismatic. Yeah, my only example of that is meeting Nicola Sturgeon. It doesn't really compare. <laughs> <laughs> She was lovely, but it was, I was struck by the ease of, yeah. you know, those career politicians. They can do that opening gambit better than anybody. It's very, yeah, extremely charming and intelligent and just funny and just good. 
substantial person. So it was great. But he, he basically said that he was a fan and him and Michelle listened to my music. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, cool, thanks. Thank I'm, you so much. Are you going to have coffee? Um, I wouldn't mind a mint tea. Ooh, can I do the same, please? And if Monica's got a moment... <laughs> <laughs> Monica Clarty, Leanna Hi. Hammers. Hi, how are you? Thank how's you so much. Girl? Amazing meal. Oh, ah, you look so cute. Thank you. <laughs> so are you, well, well, Chef yeah. One? I wear the same thing. Yeah, never say that it's to nice. me. <laughs> Thank you. That Pleasure. was fabulous. You enjoyed it. Oh, sorry. It was lovely. Sorry. So you should know that Leanne is a complete master chef obsessive. No, don't stop. <laughs> I love it. Have like. you seen how mean he is? Yes. I'm He's, not mean. You're nice. so nice in real life. It's editing, it's editing, it's editing. He scares him to death in there. Hang on. Monica, who does the skills test, who has reduced grown men to tears, <laughs> is accusing... One of, the, one of the great things about you is you have a face that cannot hide what it thinks. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Listen, it's been wonderful to have you Thank you us. so much for having us. You, you yeah. will. Well, I think at that point, with our mint tea in hands, I get to do the official thing, which is, Leanne Lahavis, thank you for letting me take you out to lunch. Thank you Should for we... doing this with Clink me. Clink teacups so of mint tea. Mm. So after we turned off the microphones from recording lunch with Leanne, she told me that we had actually met once before in a foyer of a hotel in Tokyo, only in the summer of 2018. And the moment she said it, I remembered it because this this bunch of rock stars swanned into the foyer of this hotel with this guy looking ultra hip, who I now know was her boyfriend then, Thundercat. And then... Leanne, I didn't recognise her, said that she liked what I did on MasterChef and I thanked her. I wish I had known it was her because, as I say, I have long been a fan of her music. I think the way she plays is gorgeous and now I'm a big fan of the way she talks. Um, She was very open and very warm and delightful company. And if you want more, there is more. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts. We would really appreciate it if, having consumed them, you were then to review them and give them five stars and tell all your friends about them. And please do subscribe. Then you'll get every single episode as it drops. Out to Lunch is a Something Else and Jay Rayner production. The music was written, arranged and performed by Jay Rayner and Robert Rickenberg. The mix engineer was Josh Gibbs. The assistant producer was Rosie Marotra. The producer is Selena Reem and the the executive producer is Darby Doris. Additional production is from Steve Ackerman. Next time, it's the go-to man for every big show on television. It's Dermot O'Leary. There's a great moment where Ozzy Osbourne ordered chicken curry and Cipriani's. It was probably one of the moments of my life. <laughs> so- what, he went off menu? Yeah, didn't even look. <laughs> Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>